Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good afternoon and welcome to Women Lead Radio, brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Eileen Gaffin, your host for Reputation and Influence, a show that explores how women business leaders built their reputation, resilience, and resources to become influential leaders. We have a really interesting topic today, social impact storytelling. You may be living your life with purpose. You may have a purpose-driven company that you started or you work for, but how do you tell your story? So our leading lady today is Allie Moreno. Allie is a content design manager. We're going to find out what that is. A content design manager at Facebook. And... We're going to find out exactly what that means. So welcome, Allie. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I met you several years ago and know you as an amazing writer. And uh, now you're in the northwest of the United States uh, working for yeah. Facebook. And what, first, let's just start out. Before we even go into your background, what is a content design manager? That is such a good question. Um, content design um, basically refers to the written, you know, language in in products. And so if you, you use an app, um, there's got to be words on it. And so there are whole professions and, and people like me who, who dedicate themselves to creating good experiences for people um, who use apps and technology. Oh, well, thank you for that because uh, we all need that, and the simpler the better. So, right. <laughs> at least that's what I find. Um, well, let's talk about your career journey. What do you think prepared you for that role? Yeah, um, it's funny that you know this was titled storytelling, and you know had a lot to do with that. I I think I was always writing. I think from from when I was in middle school, uh, writing poetry. Um, writing short stories, and I remember vividly writing, you know, pages and pages of a short story, and I'd put my friends in it as the characters, and then I would print out, you know, several copies, and then even hand them out to my friends in school, um, and so I, I always credit that with, like, my first foray into, <laughs> um, into creative writing. Um, yeah, I, so, you know, that paired with um, yeah, I always just love language, and so creative writing was always a big part of that. And ironically enough, poetry um, ended up being my, my area of study, which you would think oh. doesn't really have anything to do, you know, with what I do today. But you'd be surprised that, you know, working, having to deal with language in very small spaces and working with certain types of, like, restraints and different formats and requirements, um, getting creative in that way has actually really, really helped inform that. <laughs> That's amazing, and, and just from the storytelling that you did as a child, it sounds like you were a publisher as well, if you're handing out the stories <laughs> to your friends. <laughs> Distributing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And and now you could actually publish those if you'd like. <laughs> we probably want to read The Adventures yeah. of Ali. Oh my gosh. Um, yes. That's a that's interesting um to then go into poetry and like you said short form creative. Mm-hmm. Uh and so did you take that was that was those was that through your college years or when were you doing that? Oh yeah, good question. Um I feel like I was always writing poetry on the side but never never thought that it was anything I could or should take seriously and until college. I, I had a really great mentor, um, Sandra Dollar, who uh, was a creative writing professor at Cal State San Marcos, um, where I ended up graduating from with my lit writing degree. Um, and then I went on to UCSD to get a master's in creative writing. But, it, yeah, it was her. She was the one who was like, hey, have you ever actually considered studying this, like, full time and, and doing more of this? Um, and so I don't think I even would have considered an MFA um, or writing professionally if it wasn't for for her nudging me. I, it was I think I just assumed it was well I'm, I'm pretty good at writing that's cool but I don't know how that you know would translate or turn into a career um, and she definitely opened opened the door for that um, and then of course yeah I went on to get my MFA and and then weirdly ended up in tech. <laughs> Yeah, but there's a lot in between there. I mean, I think you were doing quite a bit of uh, writing in between before you went to work in the technology space. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I did – well, actually, yeah, I did have a short time where I was teaching English, and so I think that's, you know, many people who who start with a degree in English, you kind of have have very few options, and I think teaching is one of of the many that that people kind of fall into. And I I come from a family of teachers, and so that was, was part of it. Um, and so uh, along with that, yeah, was was creatively writing on my own and then started to, even at that point, very early, um, write for businesses and, and kind of, I think I was, I was being an entrepreneur without realizing I was being an entrepreneur because I would, I got like small gigs here and there, even probably, you know, anything from like writing product reviews on like Amazon um, mm-hmm. or writing paid blog posts or, you know, just little tiny gigs that, that would give me exposure um, to different things and, um, you know, really, yeah, kind of doing it as, as a business. Um, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So and, lots of, lots of, that you yeah. fell into that. Um, yeah. I like what you said about your um, professor having an influence, you know, being a real influencer mm-hmm. for you and inspiring you and helping, you know, as a mentor, helping you see that there are career fields in writing. So when you went into education, do you think you played that role for your students? Did that open your eyes to the difference that makes? Oh, my gosh, yes, so much. I I think, you know, with with anything and, like, even even management now, right, I think, like, I go into – you go into teaching, you know, everyone's had – some good teachers and some bad teachers. And I definitely went into it with the philosophy of like, okay, well, I know what worked for me and what I loved. Um, and so to your point, yeah, I definitely went in thinking like there are a ton of people in here in this room right now that have potential and just haven't heard it and haven't heard that encouragement and haven't heard that positive reinforcement. And so absolutely, anytime I had somebody who was showing a ton of really strong writing skills, but, you know, didn't really know and maybe you know they took my class because they thought um oh this is just a requirement or i have to just check this off my list but i I definitely went Mm -hmm. in thinking like i wanted to make this enjoyable and interesting and teach people 
something new that they didn't know about writing before or, or change their mind about it, you know, in a little, in a, in a way. Um, cause I think so much of English can get stuck on, on grammar and form and rules. Um, and I, yeah. I definitely took the creative route and wanted to inspire people. That's wonderful. Um, you know, as you said, sometimes there are bad, uh, teachers and somebody, uh, who could be so critical that something that's a passion of yours or that you, you know, really, um, love, uh, mm-hmm can be so critical that it can um, get you, you know, away from, from that. Yeah, and then I've yeah. heard other people say that um, that actually pushed them and motivated them to, like, I'll show you, you know, and continue right. with that anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So that's terrific that you chose the positive route and, and um, <laughs> you know, helped to inspire others, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so much of that, I, I like, looking back, can remember moments just like you were talking about where someone was like, oh, you, you wouldn't want to do that. And even and particularly as women, I feel like we get told that a lot in, in high school and early on when we're thinking about what we can or can't do. Um, and it's, it can be so impressionable when, when somebody close to you or your inner circle or someone with authority says, oh, you know, that's not really for you. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Did you feel that way about technology? Were you afraid of it, or did you jump in and get encouragement? That's a great question. I I, I feel like I definitely was treated that when it came to, and maybe not technology yet, um, because it wasn't pro, like prevalent when I was growing up. Like you know now you know these kids can take like tech classes and ro- robotics, and sure. um, I think I think before it was definitely though in like math and science. I, I felt like there were moments in time where I was kind of brushed off as if like, oh, don't worry about that. Like, that's not really your thing, um, which is kind of sad because now going back, like I was pretty good at math. <laughs> um, I just didn't like yeah. it. And I think I just had experiences like that that made me sour towards it. And so I moved to other things. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. And so I definitely, I think STEM maybe in general is still very much that way overall. There's still a lot of work to be done. What do you, do you have tips for us? You know, uh, we talked about, um, you know, sharing our stories and do, when you taught writing, like even now, do you have tips for mm-hmm. um, those of us in business, um, uh, you know, to share our stories and how to go about even starting? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. I, I you know, I, I think, like, I'll say this, and maybe it's obvious, but it's just so natural to me, is that, like, my personal experiences and my, uh, like, approach and style have always been very close to the same way that I teach. Like, I could never separate those things, and so I – I was always encouraging folks to to write in the way that is most comfortable and natural to them, right? I think one of the mm-hmm. things that in academics and both in and business as well, right, there's a perception that, you know, certain words are better than others or certain, um, you know, you, we fall back on a typical kind of five-paragraph essay or want to be professional or sound, you know, whatever that is, something. We have a goal in yeah. mind and it, it ends up sounding less and less genuine the more you try to have, you know, embody a voice that isn't really yours. Um, mm-hmm. And so a lot of the things, even when I worked with clients later in my career was, yeah, like what is the most true thing about you? And we'd always do exercise about like what is your 
unique thing? What makes your business unique? What makes you unique? And how do you infuse that in how you talk to people and your, your clients, your customers? Um, because it, as nuanced and maybe like subtle as it sounds, it, it has an impact um, and, and people will notice and people will, you know, obviously be more attracted to um, something that feels real and genuine. Yeah. A lot of a lot of times it's just that blank page that's staring in front of you and like how do you even start you know so are those right. some of the triggers mm-hmm. or the you know the um, yeah. things that you use to get you know a prompt a writing prompt mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I feel like um, I I don't always remember this but <laughs> I've always been told that like the first the first draft of things, they should be bad. Um, and so I think that's always helped me yeah. is that knowing that the blank page, yeah, like however, whatever you can do to make the blank page less scary. Um, and so if it's uh-huh. lowering the bar to say, yeah, I'm going to write something that's really bad right now and I will fix it up and, you know, make it better later. Um, I think the other trick or, trick or prompt that I've used, especially in creative writing, is writing on different types of things like sticky notes or even just ripped up scrap paper because it it feels less formal and less um you know final as opposed to like a blank yeah eight by eight and a half by eleven like notebook page or something um yeah. you'd be surprised how physicality of that can can change the way that you think about something and the way you approach your writing that's really helpful and um so let's get into the specifics now of social impact storytelling yeah. um Many of us have um, things that we care about or social causes that are outside mm-hmm. of the workplace, and sometimes yeah. it, it combines the two. You know, if you work for a company or have a company that mm-hmm. has a specific purpose. Um, so what are some of the social causes that you're passionate about today? Yeah. Oh, gosh, absolutely. Um, I think for me, uh, racial justice has, has been – absolutely top of mind and and you know me being filipino american i you know visibly look a certain way and have been called out bullied um you know people have made comments to me just off of the way that i look and that's and that's from from a very young age probably before i was 10 years old i experienced my first kind of like racial comment um or bullying experience and it eats away at you and you realize over time that, yeah, there's nothing I could do to control, you know, where Mm. I come from, what I look like. And the fact Mm -hmm. that somebody would want to say something to me about it um, and try to put me down or, or, you know, insinuate something um, or put some meaning behind that has always been really profound to me. And I think that's even infused in why I became a writer is that I, was looking for places, you know, um, this may get into some um, details, but I was adopted. And so for folks who, who don't, um, mm-hmm. I'm, like I, I call myself a transracial adoptee, and that's the meaning that I was, I'm Filipino, but my parents are not. And so okay, I was constantly looking for feeling like I belonged, right? So I, I had mm-hmm. a mom and a dad who obviously loved me, but would get, you know, comments and things from people and, and had this identity that I, I didn't really have anybody to connect with about. And so I was constantly searching and writing for, for finding ways to um, kind of grapple with that. 
Um, Did that help you? I think that I may have gone on a really long tangent there, but I think um, no, going no. back I'm, to your... I'm wondering if, if that helped. If that helped. If that helped you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, it did. Yeah, yeah, it, it was one just cathartic to to express it and put it into words, um, but also gave me. It's it's now how I think, right? Like sometimes I'm not the best at like an impromptu speech or presentation, but if I write about it, then I can really grapple with deeper thoughts and like figure out what I truly feel. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so that being said, writing has always been uh, just a really big component of of how I feel about yeah community and activism and and social justice, and so. Um, I think to your point, like, you know, and, and maybe this is a kind of a question for you too. Like, I think that brands and and companies, you know, we've seen so much of it change these days with, you know, I think last year of, you know, the murder of George Floyd um, and the Stop Asian Hate Work Now, like, we, we've come really far in a way, but I think there's so much more to do in that we, a lot of times it feels reactive rather mm-hmm. than proactive. Um, and I would just love to see more people, more businesses, more anyone being vocal, you know, in the moment. Like the Stop Asian Hate, this was, you know, ongoing for over a year before anybody really took notice. Um, and so well, Allie, I just this wondered. Is, this is yeah. really important, and, and I want to get into this more. Um, we're going to take yeah. a quick commercial break to recognize our sponsors, and then we'll get back into that topic. Absolutely. Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, Microsoft. The Microsoft mission is to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. Microsoft believes technology is a powerful force for good, and they are working to foster a sustainable future where everyone has access to the benefits and the opportunities created by technology. Microsoft believes technology can and should be a powerful force for good, and that meaningful innovation can and will contribute to a brighter world in big and small ways. So thank you for your support, Microsoft, and to all of our sponsors and our partners. And Eileen, now back to your show. Thank you. With us today is Allie Moreno. She is a content design manager at Facebook. And we were just talking about how um, Allie was saying that she'd like to see more companies get involved in social justice and, um, and with their community. And let's talk more about that. So what, what would you like to see? Yeah, I, I think the caveat there, the, the added context I'll give is that I think what more and more companies seem to be is learning at least is that that silence is a stance you know if you mm-hmm. are looking and scrolling through your social media and you're seeing you know dozens of companies and brands put out statements and you have a favorite or you know a follow a particular brand and there's nothing there um it speaks volumes and so i think there's I, you know I, I don't have all the answers of course but i I wish that there was more, you know, um, kind of vocal stances. And I, and I wish, I think part of it too is that it, the other side of that coin is that saying something isn't always enough and that it can feel um, maybe like pandering or, you know, people would refer to as slacktivism. Ah, say something yeah. and then don't follow it up with any kind of action or don't actually do anything, you know, and it's, um, 
I don't know if there's a good answer there, but it's just. That doesn't seem real or authentic to that company or to their brand. Uh Again, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when it, we've spent a big portion of, of this interview or me talking to you about the written word, but when mm-hmm. you think about um, storytelling, so much today is uh, through visuals, through video and photos. Mm-hmm. And, and so what do you think yeah. about that as a medium for, uh, you know, uh, for storytelling? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I think now – yeah, I, I think what I've been thinking about a lot lately is I also, so little known fact, I, I, I before I went, turned to writing and realized it was a professional route I could pursue, I was very much into fashion um, and wanted to be a fashion, um, a buyer, so that not design the clothes, but just fly around the world and, and go shopping for them. <laughs> and so, uh-huh. um, but I'm constantly looking at and like ads and media and wanting to see narratives of more inclusive people of of women of different uh-huh. body sizes and shapes of different skin colors and different heights um and 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 that again like speaks volumes right the messaging is you know if i'm looking for yoga pants and all i see are super tiny blonde women then i'm, I'm going to look at a product and think oh that's that's definitely not for me um, yeah. But the more the more diversity that I see in ads, or you know, a, yeah, a company's Instagram or something, I will be like, okay, yeah, can I see myself in in these clothes with these products? Um, then yeah, um, I'm definitely going to be more inclined. Um, yeah, to associate those visuals really make a difference um, mm-hmm. in those in that in an instance like that. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's really special that you shared your personal story with us and, and um, you know, talked about racial justice. And um, you've personally seen the impact of, you know, when you mentioned George Floyd and the impact of video and photos and the power mm-hmm. um, of that media. Um, so are you seeing changes or uh, ways that that can be used for community involvement or personal involvement? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I think that I feel like there is so much more being done just in general around education um, and, like, finding, like, I think social media just in general has given us so much more access to mm-hmm. people and communities, and and so people are getting really creative with how they um, can find and support different causes, or even just learn about things that I didn't know. Like I am learning every single day when I open up my computer <laughs> about something that I didn't know was happening on the other side of the world, or you know, a community that I, I didn't know a ton about. And so I, I think there is a ton of opportunity still, and a lot of good being done there um in that space yeah um yeah um what else are you uh what other social causes are you passionate about today or uh is that primarily your focus i mean that most i mean i i think there's definitely an adoptee angle to this and that there's a huge Mm -hmm. community of of folks like me um who even a Facebook group, for example, <laughs> um, like, you uh-huh. know, a community of, of people who feel like their 
the narrative on that side is primarily, I think when you talk about adoption or hear about adoption, it's, it's primarily focused on the parents, um, the adoptive parents, and, you know, what an amazing blessing and gift it is to adopt. And, of course, that's true. I am not saying that's mm-hmm. not an amazing thing, but I think there is a gap and where adoptive voices are not always heard um, or put forward in consideration. And that, like, while it is very – I was super blessed to have an amazing and loving family – um, that's not always the experience for everybody, and and I feel like it, it goes along, you know, again more broadly with narratives of narratives of whose whose story is centered centered, and mm-hmm. and who's not acknowledged, and and what are we not talking about when we talk about something, and um, and so I definitely have been getting more involved lately in supporting nonprofits that that help adoptee communities, and um, there are just a number of issues that you probably wouldn't even consider, like adoptees sometimes can't get access to their birth certificates um, or yeah, have issues with citizenship. Like, uh-huh. Yeah, like it's it's more complicated than you would think. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, there's just a ton of things that even I, you know, given my privilege and being a domestic adoptee, like other um, folks who are adopted from other countries, you know, citizenship and every is just such a complicated thing. And, um, I wish we, yeah, would talk about that more and that more people would, would know. Um, I, yeah, I do think that yeah. is the um, positive side of technology and the advances, and people can find communities of people that are asking questions like you are and mm-hmm. um, and learning things or, um, you know, getting answers or, you know, just, being, having a sense of community with other people going through the same thing and that you may not even know are going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That's been pretty groundbreaking. Yeah. The past decade. Anything else mm-hmm. you want to share with us about storytelling so we can get better at it um, <laughs> in social spaces or about um, things that matter to us? Yeah. Um, I mean – I think that's the, that last point is what really resonates with me is, is sharing the things that matter to you. I think so often, you know, when we write about businesses versus writing about, you know, ourselves or personal things, we, we don't add any of our humanness and our uniqueness to how we tell mm-hmm. stories in business. Um, but I think now, you know, as we've talked about, like in tech and social media, people want to get to know you. They want to know who's behind that brand or that, um, business and they care about the things that you you do and um, want to know you know that they feel like they can trust you and and so when you can be vulnerable sometimes or when you can you know share stories that that share kind of your unique experience or your your origin story I mean, you know whatever that is like I think there's a lot mm-hmm. to that and I would love to see more people um, share that in a very genuine kind of authentic way. That's a great leadership message um, because like you said, you know, the, the corporate speak or the, you know, facade that companies mm-hmm. or leaders um, put on, you know, that's not authentic. And so to be closer yeah. to their um, and relatable to their employees um, and to the, if they're a public company, to the general public and investors, mm-hmm. Um, that yeah, that's really important about authenticity and 
and being vulnerable is really scary mm-hmm. to a lot of people, even if you're not in a leadership role. Um, yeah. But, yeah. But yeah, it, it yeah, I think. Way. Absolutely, yeah. I was just going to say, I think some of the most respected leaders and people that I have noted, like, are, are ones that are vulnerable. And, and when, because we're all, you know, are human, are going to make mistakes, um, who can own up to those mistakes or failures or what have you, right, and, and say, hey, this was an area where I just didn't have, I didn't make the right call um, and yeah. had to reap the consequences, you know, and I, I think there's something to be said now, you know, even today. And so, again, sorry, going back to, like, technology and, you know, this, I've gotten in such a weird world of this, like, newfound public apology, right, or accountability. Yeah. Um, and it's it's very apparent when an apology is sincere and coming from a place of, oh, I did really mess up and I'd love your help to get better versus, oh, we apologize and it's more so that we're, we're just sorry we got caught. <laughs> yeah. And people see that, right? And as you know, like, people will immediately call you out for that. Uh-huh. That's so true. Um, one of the social uh, community areas for business, of course, is LinkedIn. And, mm-hmm. um, and I'm thinking if people want to reach you, we have, we have a link to your LinkedIn uh, on the radio page. Uh, so is that the best way for if anybody has any questions for you or wants to get in touch, yeah. is that the best way to reach yeah. you? Sure, yeah, please okay. reach out. Yeah, I'm LinkedIn, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Allie. That's our show for today. I want to thank you so much for being our leading lady. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Sure. And a special thanks to all of our listeners in the United States and around the world. We are an international show. We're going to be back again for another Women Lead Radio Show, Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific. I'm Eileen Gaffin, and it's been a sincere pleasure to be your host today. Remember... Your reputation is our business. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.